It's now time to turn back the clock and catch up with some old friends of A's past, exclusively on A's Cast. This is Where Are They Now? Vince Catronio sits down with alumni of the Oakland Athletics to reminisce and discuss current adventures. Here's Vince Catronio. It is time for another episode of Where Are They Now? We're pleased to be joined by Randy Velarde, who uh, joined us. He played a lot with the Yankees. He played three years, parts of three years, with the Oakland Athletics. And there were a lot of different areas that Randy was involved with, playing for the A's and playing against the A's. And we'll get to all of that. Randy, first of all, what's it like uh, in the Velarde house these days? Where are you living? Uh, How's the family? What are you up to? Vince, I'm still here where I was born and raised in Midland, Texas, home of your AA uh, Midland Rockhounds. But we'll be buried here, Vince. I mean, it's home. Wife's been trying to get me out of Midland, but I'm like, where are we going to go? I mean, everything I need is right here, and I know it's not the prettiest town, so the key is bring everybody in it in the night so they don't have to see what we have to see during the day. <laughs> Which brings me to what was it like when you got to the big leagues, a kid from Midland, Texas, and the mm-hmm. team you played for. I know you weren't you weren't drafted by the Yankees, but you were traded to the Yankees from the White Sox. What was that like in 87 when Randy Velarde from Midland, Texas was at Yankee Stadium? Oh, Vince, it's there were so many memories. Let me back up to the point where I was with the White Sox coming off. You know, people fail to realize I was MVP, all district, all everything in high school here. Had one scholarship offer to a junior college. Go to Lubbock Christian for four years. And then, you know, and I was a three-time All-American, so success was coming my way, right? So first year of pro ball, hit 220. And when you're a 19th-round pick, Vince, the turnover in this game is annually. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, I wasn't used to that kind of failure. And anyway, they stuck around with me, so I make the spring training next year. And next year I go to Appleton, Midwest League, go hit 252, but I – I led the league in errors, and I promise you my hands weren't that bad. These fields were horrible. So that winter, I'm training. I'm in my high school weight room. My sister goes flying in there and goes, you just got traded. I'm like, what? To who? To the Yankees. I'm like, it was it was like a six for six. Me for half a dozen donuts or something thrown in there. I go to spring training with the Yanks. First year, Vincent, this is, imagine this. They threw me on a double-A roster, started spring training. Well, you know when the big leaguers have their cuts, it's a trickle-down effect. And I'm killing it in double-A. And who comes to my battle is Cleet Boyer, who's our minor league uh, instructor there. And he tells the Yankees, you cannot move this kid out. Well, this one, uh, I don't know if you know the name Shane Turner. He was a big prospect above me, was in – going to be in triple-A. Well, they they said, well, what do we do with Velarde? He goes, well, leave him here and put him in triple-A. They Cleet fought for me, and I stay there. I make the team out of Albany, double-A. I go to Albany for six weeks, go to Columbus for another month, and Mr. Steinbrenner, whose mom lived in Columbus, was there during the 4th of July weekend, and I had a great game, like a three for five. Well, the next week, I go to the new. I go to New York with the Yankees from almost out of the game, Vince, to the next year, just bam, 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 double A, triple A, big leagues in '87. It, it was, and I'll never forget that call because when I was, uh, we had just come off a ten day road trip with Columbus Clippers, and we didn't even have a phone, and my suitcase wasn't even unpacked. 
And luckily we lived in the complex where other players were at. And guy comes knocking at my door like at five in the morning. He goes, boom, boom, boom. Hey, Bob Quinn, our general manager at the time, he just called. He says, you're going up. I'm like, what? Going where? You know, the team was in Seattle. So I got to take a red eye, same dirty laundry. I, I finally get a layover like in St. Louis to call mom and dad, let them know that I got called up. And, oh, oh I mean, it just hit me. I started just crying because my dreams are being realized. And, man, walking in that kingdom, Vince, with, as you mentioned, Ricky, earlier, you know, these guys that I idolized watching on TV and are now, now my teammates, and it, it was just a surreal moment. We're going to get to the day when you're playing for the A's and Ricky sets the record, but like you mentioned, I mean, he was your teammate first with the Yankees, so how much fun did you have being around uh, as great a talent as Ricky Henderson was? Oh, my God. He was such a oh, – the only player I tell guys to today – Honestly, Vince, I saw on a daily basis they could come to the field and and was literally a guy like, hey, get on my back. We're winning today. They're like, what? Walk, still second, still third, five ball or ground ball, one nothing us. <laughs> and, you know, I got to tell you a story. I, I loved playing with Ricky, but I also hated it because I was a rookie at the time when he was with us with the Yanks and Ricky – we had Billy had two. I'm showing my age. Billy Martin was our manager. We had two cocktail napkins on the door posted, one with Ricky leading off. And somehow, if Ricky wasn't playing, I was on that other napkin in the lineup. Well, the, they're about to sing the anthem, Vince. And Ricky is still taping his ankles or whatever. I'm like peeing down my leg. Ricky, are you going to play? I'll let you know, Rook. I believe everybody, the umpires are coming out. So that first year, he aged me. You know, I'm a rookie in New York. I aged 10 years. When we traded him to Oakland, I think I packed his bags. I was like, go on, get. <laughs> but I loved playing with Ricky. What a talented player. Oh, my gosh. Randy, you're, you're playing for the Yankees, and like you mentioned, Ricky is traded to the Athletics, and here comes the day, you know, May 1st, 1991. You're playing third base that day, yeah. and that's where history took place. So <laughs> uh, you knew what was happening. You knew that the atmosphere, you know, Luke Brock is in town and waiting for him to get to number 939 for a visiting player and for a former teammate of his and knowing what he was about to accomplish Give me the memories of what that day was like when, when Ricky comes into third base to you and he, he takes the back from its moorings and, you know, he, he steps into history on that day with the with the, the stolen base that broke the record. In the fourth inning, a 3-2 to two ball game. The A's having come from behind a 3-1-0 deficit. Ricky goes. A pitch taken. He's going to have it. He does. Ricky Henderson... No contest, steals third base, jerks the bag from its moorings, and holds it aloft, representing number 939. Ricky pounds it with his left fist, hands it to equipment manager Frank Sinchek, who gives him a big hug. Ricky is enjoying the accolades of the crowd, waving his hands to them. Yeah, I could reveal some some secretive stuff out of this whole ordeal, but I, I'm going to keep it on the down low. But, I mean, as I said, going into that game, we had thrown him out twice prior to that 
broken break. And we would have had him that time if Matt went up in between hot me. I mean, I still got it down. I thought in time, and I wish we'd have instant replay like they did now. But you know, that was a great moment for him. I mean, good gosh, that career that he had, and and people fail to realize if you look back at that time, that uh, the Bat Boy when Ricky would get on base, the Bat Boy would go out there and run him a pair of Oakleys, and that's when Oakleys first came in the game of baseball was. Uh, they were promoting that time. They wanted to be a big part of Ricky's uh, historical feat. And I am the greatest as, as the speech goes. And he is, man. What a, what a great talent. If you haven't been able to tell yet by the Texas draw, we're visiting with Randy Velarde in our Where Are They Now episode this week. Uh, Randy, when, when players are in the game – and uh, certainly playing for the Yankees is one thing, but when players get a chance to reach free agency, that's like the you know the end of the rainbow. They feel like they're going to get the pot of gold. And and you signed with the Angels, leaving the Yankees, but that wasn't as smooth a transition for you, was it? You know, it's great that you got a long term contract, but I think you always felt like the pinstripes, and maybe na- naively, like many of us say, we're going to be one organization in the big leagues for the rest of our lives, and that didn't work out. But how how were the years with the Angels for you? They were they were good. I mean, the reason I chose Anaheim, Vince, was because my brother lived in that area and I had a lot of cousins and uncles that lived in that area. So it was almost like a second home, if you will, going in that area. And the fact that, you know, uh, it's hard to call them Los Angeles when I'm just going to say angels. So the angels at that time were coming off a big loss from the year prior to the Seattle mayor. So, you know, you had Jim Edmonds, Chuck Finley, Langston, you had that bunch coming young, talented, bunch coming so it was a win-win for me because the reason I left New York was because I wanted to play every day one spot and Anaheim was the only team that really came up front and said you'll be our second baseman uh New York offered me more money same years three years but I was still gonna have to be the super sub if you will playing everywhere which I didn't mind but I I really I was in the prime of my career and I wanted to play one position and and the attractiveness of SoCal uh, and going to a good team was was the big attraction. But, boy, did I make a bad decision as I look at it now. The first year I leave, you know, they won a World Series. They win three of the next four years after being there ten years. And, oh, it was tough. But I'm still partial to that that pinstripe uniform because you know you spend 10 of your 16 years with that organization you know what they stand for uh, uh certainly great memories you played for some really interesting oh. managers over the years what was that like just seeing you know billy you know buck showalter for a while and you know what you did you know with the angels and what you did with the athletics as well with art Howe. oh man i i did i i had a who's who's list of managers all the way through my I mean <laughs> with the Yankees by themselves with Mr. Way Mr. Steinberger had a revolving door we I went through seven managers in my 10 years with the Yanks so <laughs> I mean it, it was almost like the times when I was there I was up and down one time one year seven times two other times unofficial up and down the same day USA Today named me the yo-yo of the year award 
but it was like that with management. I mean, I had that many quality mannered Hall of Fame type managers. I mean, I mean, you could get them. I mean, this is what I liked about the business end about New York, especially playing under like Buck Showalter, who was just a detail oriented manager. I mean, there was nothing the opposition was going to do. It was going to take us by surprise. Go to go to Oakland, and nothing against Art, but we had scouting reports like this with the Yanks. I think when <laughs> we were like this, I mean, it was it was just like play ball over there, and it was profound to me because I didn't know you could play the game that way and to be around a cast of like Giambi, Tejada, and those guys, man, it it really made it fun. What do you remember about leaving the Angels and then coming to the Athletics? July of 2000, uh, you're traded to the A's with Omar Oliveris, and, it, and it, it gives it gives the A's an opportunity to, to continue this path toward getting back to the postseason. You were kind of a part of that when you came over. I'll give you a funny story on this one, Vince. We're on the team plane, and all during the season, you know, as you get close to uh, – that trading time when all the it starts heating up around her. I knew we were kind of struggling as a team and Larry Bowie would always sit in the back of the plane with us playing cards and Bo would always give us the inside scoop and we'd ask Larry, man, who who's who's hot, man? Who who's got a chance to move on? And basically what he'd come up and tell me is nobody wants you, Valardis. Don't even worry about it. Well the next day we have an off day. We landed from a road trip and we were going to a circus and I get home and my lights blinking. I'm like, Oh no. And it's Bavese, our general manager calls us, Hey, I need you to call me. So I return the call and I just got traded. I'm like the last team on my mind which was Oakland. I mean, you guys were what? Like fourth place at the time, weren't you? It was somewhere back. Well, I was with, at that time. I was in you know 1999 when the trade took place. I was still with the Rangers. Oh, okay. But you're right. I mean, they were they weren't quite there yet, but they were starting to what seemed like after the fact, looking at laying the groundwork to become this team that was going to make a great run starting in the 2000s. And you you were kind of one of the the trigger pieces to making that happen in '99. Well, I like to think that. I mean, it was a great time. Art did a fantastic job with, the, you know, the young players that they had coming through there. I mean, golly, that pitching staff they had, all we had to do was score a couple runs and had a good chance to win the game. And I just tried to go in there and just try to fit in uh, as best I could. And, you know, they, I go in there and wanted to, they wanted me to be the leadoff hitter and get on base for the big boppers coming behind me and it was a fun year I mean one of those years you know obviously was that 20 game wins consecutive win streak so uh that, that was pretty fun as well yeah we'll, we'll get to that certainly um it, 1999 just specifically looking at the numbers for Randy Velarde was your best year offensively between the Angels and the Athletics uh, how do you look back on that season yeah, that was a magical season for me. As I tell you, the reason I left New York, I knew I was kind of in the prime of my career. And uh, to put up those kind of numbers with both those teams, a 200-hit season, hit 316. Uh, I was really proud of myself for for putting those kind of numbers because I, 
I put in a lot of hard work as everybody knew Hanson. It was good to see uh, the fruits of my labor finally come forth. What's interesting to me, Randy, you're a guy that played 16 years in the big leagues, and you can have players can have moments, and you were involved in you know two of the bigger moments in baseball. One as a Yankee when you're playing third base, and Ricky steals number nine thirty nine, he sets the record. Then you're playing for the A's against the Yankees, and it's at Yankee Stadium. It's May 29th, two thousand. You know where I'm going with this. That uh, set up the eleventh unassisted triple play in Major League history, which was executed by one Randy Velarde. In the fourth inning, a three to two ball game. The A's having come from behind. A three, a one nothing deficit. Ricky goes. A pitch taken. He's going to have it. He does. Ricky Henderson, no contest, steals third base, jerks the bag from its moorings, and holds it aloft, representing number 939. Ricky pounds it with his left fist, hands it to equipment manager Frank Sinchek, who gives him a big hug. Ricky is enjoying the accolades of the crowd, waving his hands to them. Oh, my gosh. If people need to see this on YouTube, everybody wants to know, all my buddies around here, anybody that knows that I had anything to do with that play, they they fail to realize, and I remind them that, he says, man, after we see the play, we see that you're not very happy when you come to the dugout. I would have been ecstatic. I'm like, well, the reason I'm not happy is because there shouldn't have even have been a triple play done because I had a routine ground ball to set up a double play before the triple play even happened, and I booted it. And the story behind that, Vince, was I had a, I forget what it was, 18, 22-game airless streak, and a reporter came to me for no unreason, just came and said, hey, do you know you, you've got whatever airless streak going on? And, and all I could think about was that, and, and it, fast forwarded to that situation where I clanked that ball and I'm just in my mind just not saying nice words to this guy that how dare he even bring that up well now you fast forward to the play right this is why you don't run the runners first and second nobody out it's a full count we got Shane Spencer on the at the plate and uh, I can't remember I think it's what's well, got to be Hernandez we, anyway the play is going to go to the middle I'm going to take the backyard pick at second instead of them throwing to third to open the hole because Shane Spencer's a pull hitter. So the runners take off, and I'm already playing Shane pull side on the, on the second base side. And, I mean, I just start walking to the bag, and he hits a soft line drive to me, catch, tag, tag, and look at the umpire, and I'm, uh, you should see the look on my face. I'm like, that was three, right? And he's like, yep. By the time I flipped him the ball, Vince, by the time I get to the dugout, the people upstairs are beat me to the dugout like, where's the ball? Where's the ball? I'm like, it's in play. We need your glove. I'm like, no, you ain't taking my – this is my game glove. I'll give it to you after the game. But, yeah, that's how that all unfolded. You never got the baseball. No, they, they, got, they, they got it as soon as uh, they, they brought it out of play. It took it to Cooperstown? They took it to Cooperstown and my glove. Now, we were talking before, when, when you were traded to the A's in mid-1999, it was kind of setting the stage of what happened in 2000. 
And I was here at the Coliseum with the Rangers during that final weekend when when the Athletics clinched the American League West. Mm-hmm. And you were a big part of it. I mean, you, you look at the, the day before the Sunday where the team scores 23 runs and you started with a home run and then you have a key moment with Tim Hudson pitching on Sunday to, to shut out the Rangers and, and A's win the West. Take me through those two days and you know what that was like. And I know you had been on clubs that could get to the postseason, but then doing it again at this stage of your career with this group of players, what that meant to Randy Velarde. Yeah, that was huge. And as you said, that that Saturday game, we blew them out. Uh, we still knew that we were in the mix with, uh, I believe it was Seattle or Tampa Bay. There, there was a bunch of scenarios going on that if we didn't you win... You had to fly to Tampa for a makeup game, right? Because, potentially because of the hurricane, if you guys don't win. Yeah, it was a crazy scenario. And I remember telling one of our reporters, I guarantee we're winning tomorrow. So put that in ink, black and white, whatever. That the, the focus that we had after that game, we were ready. And, and it was looking not very good that Sunday because I think for seven innings, uh, we were scoreless. It was pretty tight, and I think I hit a, a home run to center field like in the seventh or eighth inning to kind of get us going. And, yeah, to win that game in front of our home crowds and, and go into postseason, to match up against a struggling New York team that ends up beating us. Oh, that was bittersweet. What do you remember about playing at the Coliseum as an A? The the, the atmosphere, the, the fans, the energy that they always brought when you took the field? Oh, the music, man. The music and the great feel. The, the grounds crew over there. You know, I'm always partial to that because that's what my dad did here for so many years with the double-A team here in Midland. So I'd, I'd always make it a point to get to know all the grounds crew. So I was really proud of those guys and the work they did because they had to go double duty over there, Vince, with the football deal and, and of course, us with the A's there. But the feel, the music, and just everything about Oakland A, man, the fans get behind that crowd and, I mean, behind that team and support their team the way they're supposed to. And, you know, it's just sad that it's, it's in the location that it's at that we don't get to draw like most other teams do. But uh, what a great organization they are. Randy, before we get to the final year of, of, of 2002, you spent some time, and I was with you with the Rangers in 2001. And here's a team that has Pudge Rodriguez, Ooh. has Rafael Palmero, has Alex Rodriguez, and you guys couldn't you couldn't win. Uh, it was I. Alex was there for three years. You guys finished in last place all three years. You guys could score. You couldn't pitch. What were your memories of that brief time with the Rangers? Oh, gosh, exactly that, Vince. We scored nine and give up ten. I mean, you can't win that way. I mean, it was really deflating to do. I mean, I don't I, – I need to go look back and see what our average was scoring that year because I remember many games we were up – we'd put up ten and end up losing. But, uh, you know, if you don't have pitching, you're not going to win. I don't care who you have on the offensive side. But, yeah, we had a who's who's list as far as talent on the offensive side of that. Not to remind you of how how old both of us are, but my son, when we were with the Rangers, it was one of the most unique places because they let all the kids before batting practice – go on the field. First it was Bucky Dent, then it was Steve Smith and Jerry Naren. They would hit ground balls to the kids. And Dominic, my son, was one of them. 
in 2002. So he's eight years old. He's taking ground balls with, you know, the Palmero kids and Derek Rodriguez. And oh, by the way, he was taking ground balls with a kid that is a, a Super Bowl quarterback now with the Kansas City Chiefs. Pat Mahomes' kid, Patrick, is out there taking wow. ground balls. That was such a – you had a unique group of people there at that time, didn't you? Yes, we did. I mean, as I said, the, you know, you have that star cast of players. And who would have thought back then that Patrick Mahomes would have came out of that and Pudge's kid would have come out, out of that mix the way they have. So that's – you know, kudos to those guys who are doing a great job with their kids. Randy, uh, let's let's close with visiting uh, 2002, and you touched on the 20-game hitting streak. You were a part of it. You maybe didn't play as much during the streak, but you're in the dugout every day. You're watching this thing build from, you know, on the road trip and then getting to here at home uh, against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, the, the memories you have to be a part of something like that, which is – Historic. Eventually, it got broken by the by the Indians, but for years it belonged to the Oakland Athletics, and you were a part of that. But taking uh, through some of those great memories that you had then, yeah, those are special as well, Vince. Because it, it, you know, for those twenty games, there there wasn't a single game, and it just shows you how much psyche goes on to the mental side of this game. I didn't care if we were up or down; we always felt coming to the field we were going to win. I mean, you, I mean, that's kind of inconceivable to think that way but during that streak everybody was on board and there was just good karma going around and man when it was broke we felt like I think we went on a couple three four game win streaks after that so that was just a special moment in itself to to go that long carrying that winning streak kind of crazy too that they made a movie about it Yeah, I told them uh, unless uh, they because they, originally they they wanted to cast it with original players on the in the movie. I'm like the way this the way I talk, no. <laughs> It'd have to be a country western for them to understand who, what I'm saying, Vince. How much do you pay attention to uh, to baseball today, Randy? I do. I, I mean, I've got the major league package, obviously, and every night the Yanks are playing, I'm. Pretty much watching them. What about the guys out here in the green and gold? I, I throw them on every night. That's kind of my bedtime, Vince. I mean, they, they don't start <laughs> at nine o'clock over here, so I'll watch them for about two, three innings, and then go to sleep. Randy, great memories. Uh, appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed spending time with you when we, when you're with the Rangers. You're always easy and available to talk to, and you know. With us doing this series this year, I knew you would be a, a guy that would be a lot of fun to visit with, and I appreciate all the stories. You, you, you revealed some stuff that I think some folks maybe did not know, so I appreciate you taking us a, a peek behind the curtain. That was a lot of fun. All right, Vince. Good luck to you guys. Randy Velarde on this week's episode of Where Are They Now? This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 